Hello, welcome back to the show. This is episode 81. My name is Francesco Pavone and I'm your host. And today me and you are going to answer some of the most important questions that we received in our community. So we are going to talk about Bulgarian split squat and does it even matter where you position your back foot? Then we are going to talk about how to maximize your fat loss phase when your focus is to have more defined muscle and just lower levels of body fat. And then I asked in a Facebook group that I'm in, what's the best $500 investment if you want to build your home gym? I received over 250 comments, so it was like such a job to go through all of them but that's what I love to do I love to connect with people who like to train and to build muscle lose fat uh, and do it in a sustainable way so that uh, they won't have to you know take a break uh, from it uh, and they can keep doing that for uh, several years so the answer might surprise you and I think they're actually important so they do matter but long for you I hope that you enjoy the episode let's get to it All right, before we start the episode and uh, we start answering the first question about uh, the Bulgarian split squat, uh, I'd like to mention that we've been up to some great, uh, exciting news. So if you are Italian and you like to listen to this show, you definitely want to hear that. We open our Italian Instagram account. It's called Team Pavone. I'm going to link it in the show notes, but if you enjoy like generally content uh, more in the Italian language then follow us there and we'll uh, uh, yeah we'll connect with more uh, Italian stuff then we'll definitely keep up the podcast because uh, I enjoy doing that uh, I like uh, like we've be- we have uh, many listeners uh, from all over the world and I want to keep serving you guys so we'll definitely keep up the uh, English podcast too and um, yeah we'll uh, interview more uh, Uh, guest now that we get closer to the 100 episode mark now you want to know a little secret uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, Seth Godin who's a marketer and uh, a writer uh, once said that he's willing to come as a guest to mostly most most podcast um, out there but you need to have at least 100 episodes published which I really liked because uh, the guy is talking in his books uh, about uh, of course, marketing and, uh, you know, how to market yourself, but also about uh, the resistance and uh, the creative process and how every creator, every writer or every every artist, uh, and if you didn't think about, you are an artist too. And uh, he's talking about, uh, okay, pushing and overcoming that resistance. In many books, uh, he talks uh, how. Um, one, one in particular uh, that I have on top of the mind is uh, the LinkedIn and uh, it's so good but he's uh, talking about like just pressing uh, the button publish uh, shipping uh, that's how we call it uh, and uh, like we all need to ship we all need to show up we all need to you know be prepared and, and study of course uh, and work to a certain extent but when we want to create something new and something remarkable and something impactful, every day we will have to deliver something. Every day we will have to produce something new, but not just produce it for ourselves. We also need to deliver it. We also need to share it with other people. We need to um, yeah, deliver the message. So 
you know, you can, for example, study and have many knowledges, but until you actually put them out there in the world, they are just for yourself. They are there for elevating your own skill, but they don't really make an impact in the world. Okay, they might in your mind, but until those knowledges are reality, then they are actually useless. So, um, yeah, I'm. Uh, making my way through to the 100th episode and then I will definitely send out uh, the email to reach out to Seth Godin and interview him. Um, all right, that's enough about uh, what's uh, what's going on in our community. Um, we've been up to some great uh, results and that's one of the, um, uh, yeah, one of the questions that we are going to answer today. It's from one of our clients uh, and one of our uh, members of the team, Pavone, um, and she's asking, uh, Guys, does it matter where and how you position your foot in a Bulgarian split squat? Now, it's a really good question because I had this doubt for many years. Now, the Bulgarian split squat is simply a single leg squat. So you're squatting on a leg and you have the back leg um, elevated and supported. Now, many people argue that this is not a single leg exercise, because you're actually like using the rear leg as well. And that is true. In fact, uh, it's your uh, responsibility to make sure that the front leg does most of the job. I usually recommend my clients to make sure that the front leg is bearing at least 70% of the load and the back leg, the remaining 30%. This will ensure that the front leg is doing most of the work and that you still have some support from the back leg so that you can maintain balance. Um, now, when we use the Bulgarian split squat, we can definitely use it to train your power. Say that you're a football player and you want to have a strong single leg exercise or a tennis player, or you just want to run faster. Uh, you want to have a strong exercise that has also a athletic uh, transfer, right? And the split squat, it's one of those exercises. Now, if you want to do it for performance, I want you to think that uh, it won't be for maximal muscle development um, because your stance and um, where you're going to position the back leg, um, it's... Uh, suboptimal both to for massive mass, maximal muscle development because yeah so for performance you your setup it's gonna involve a little bit of knee flexion and a little bit of hip flexion so when you look at, at the bulgarian split squat for performance you want to have the back foot elevated now you can rest the foot and i if you are doing it for the first time i recommend that you use a low box because many people use a very tall box or a bench but they are or maybe they are short people and when they do that they start like their hip flexor mobility of the posterior leg becomes the limiter factor for going deeper so basically you start that's where you start to see a little bit of compensation compensation or you see the hips start turning on one side or the other um, and the exercise just doesn't feel right um, now also um, why do we want to have uh, a lot of knee flexion well because we want to think about uh, the act of running okay so when we run we propel ourselves forward and there is a moment where we land on one leg and we lean forward by the way running is the act of constantly preventing from falling okay so you have all the weight forward and 
you throw one leg forward and then you land on that leg. Now, in that moment, you want to have a powerful hip extension, and which is what we train in the uh, Bulgarian split squat, which is definitely glute dominant, but it can be as well quad dominant. We will get there when we talk about muscular development. But for performance, you don't want to think about it too much, but you want to position your back leg in uh, to a height that is aligned with your current hip flexor mobility. That has to be said, because uh, if the bench is too high and like the, you start to compensate, as I said, with the hips, then you might develop pain or imbalances, and that's just not a great setup. Okay, so if that's the case, sure, some people will tell you, oh, go and work on your hip flexor mobility and stretch it and stretch it and stretch it. But, you know, the reality is that that is time consuming and your results have to wait. So let's say that you want to work today. Well, just lower the box. Okay, it can be just a couple of plates of 20 kilos on top of each other. That might be enough to start with. And um, some people, they lean back or forth too much. Okay, the right inclination is super simple. Like you want to maintain the torso aligned with the back femur, okay, until the knee. Um, and you want to let that front knee slide forward. It's not going to slide forward too much because your heel are not elevated. So all the foot uh, is on the floor, okay? So that's for performance. Uh, it's very straightforward. It's going to target uh, your quads, your hamstring, your glutes, uh, a little bit your adductor, and it offers as well a contralateral challenge because, as I said, uh, like it's still uh, going to bias one leg more than the other. So, yeah, the fact that, that uh, your back leg uh, is uh, supported still does, as we said, it doesn't make it like an entirely single leg exercise but it's more of an hybrid exercise okay but it's still uh, since the front leg is bearing most of the work there is still an element of contralateral challenge what does that mean well that your core if your core doesn't uh, engage properly then your whole body is going to turn on one side now since uh, since your core has to counteract this force this is called um contralateral exercise okay so it of or the exercise itself offers a contralateral challenge now uh, what if uh, we are not too concerned of the athletic performance um, and um, or, or you are but you also want to see the maximal glute development well the exercise with the rear foot elevated perfect but what you want to focus on you also want to focus on maintaining the front shin pretty vertical. So you don't want to let that front knee slide forward too much, okay? You want to make sure that that shin stay perpendicular to the floor, and then you want to sink back with the hips. This is going to increase your hip flexion, and it's going to increase the range of motion of the glutes, and it's just going to put more tension and more work on those glutes. So for the glutes, lean forward as uh, for the athletic uh, performance setup you want to lean forward if you look at it from the side um, you lean forward about 45 degrees with the torso okay so you can have your chest proud chin down but all your torso is leaning forward 45 degrees now you're gonna bend that back leg you remember to maintain a 70 30 distribution of force of weight most of the weight is on the front um, and you, like a little uh, expert tip, uh, just uh, feel uh, that front foot well planted into the floor, okay? Really plant those foot on the floor. You can grab it. Uh, we talk in the podcast about the concept uh, uh, 
of uh, the tripod foot, of uh, uh, how important it is uh, to press that front toe, the heel and the base of the fifth toe in order to create stability at the foot, which is going to translate uh, uh, to a better muscle activation and a better stability of the whole body, um, in particular uh, ankle and knees. Now, as you sink down, you don't just want to bend the knee, okay? Because if you bend the knee, then we are going to, we might lose you might lose tension on the glutes. So we want to maintain tension on the glutes as we sink down. To do that, just simply feel the contact and the relationship between the foot and the sensation of the foot on the floor. And you can just like simply um, go up and down with your body weight and just connect with your glute. Now, as you connect with your glute, engage your core, you don't know how to do it you can definitely head over my uh, profile team pavone even if you are an english speaker you'll probably understand how to engage the core um, i shared a reel a few days ago so you can check it out but basically you want to create tension in the whole body as you sink down and in particular you want to bias that tension on the front glute as you come all the way down there is a moment where you can't go down anymore without rounding your lower back now, a little uh, external tip uh, might help, but you can as well like uh, try body weight and check without an external load what is your current range of motion, okay? Um, and then uh, on the way up, uh, you're going to drive from that front foot, coming all the way up. You don't want to come back up into a upright position, right? You want to maintain that front uh, um, and forward uh, inclination of the torso even as you come up so when you come up you simply want to drive that front leg and uh, you yeah um get a full uh, glute uh, contraction so that's it for the glute uh, setup now what if you want to use the single leg squat but you want to use it to build some good quads now some people will argue that uh, the athletic performance that i just described or the glute dominant one will still uh, target quads because your your knee will bend and that's true uh, that's why we can't really use uh, an exercise uh, such as the split squat to completely isolate uh, a muscle okay there will still be a um a, a synergistic work of another muscle to complete that movement um so yeah what we can do is uh, uh, we can bias one muscle more than the other so that's exactly what we're trying to do when we use the split squat for the quad and the, for, for, for whenever we want to train the quads, uh, just keep in mind that every lower body exercise can be set up for glutes more, um, more for quads or more for adductors. So, so that would be with a wider stance. Now, uh, with the particular case of the split squat, we can't do it. Okay, we can't have a too wide stance. Uh, that would be a weird exercise, right? So, but let's say that we want to do it for the quads. Well, we're going to have a shorter stance. Um, for this setup, you want to use a single plate. Um, you can use quad wedges, but the reality is that most gyms don't have it. Uh, so just take a, you can take a 10 or 15 kilos plate or even a 20 kilos plate. Um, if your mobility is good, take a smaller plate. If your mobility is so-and-so, take a bigger plate, okay? And, and a taller plate. Uh, you might need to use the 25 kilos one. Uh, some gyms has as well uh, the 5 kilos one, which are very, very big, okay, but light. Um, but I haven't seen them uh, very often, to be fair. And it depends by the plates that you have at your local gym. But in this case, like you're looking at uh, a 2 to 4 centimeter height, 
okay? Then you're gonna position the front heel on that uh, plate with the front toe on the floor. So your front heel is gonna be elevated. Now, where are you going to position uh, the, the rear leg? Well, on the same plate, but you're just gonna put uh, your tiptoe on the plate. So your back heel is gonna be off the plate, off the plate, and your front heel is gonna be on the plate uh, with the front toe on the floor. Okay, you can use this. The best way to actually connect with your quads with this exercise, if it's the first time that you try it, is to use a front-loaded variation. So you're just holding a a dumbbell at the front, like you would do in a goblet squat, um, or just like two kettlebell at the front, okay? The reason why we do this is because when we load the um, weight at the front of the body, then that's automatically going to put more stress on the quads. There is going to be more knee flexion because we will have to keep the torso pretty perpendicular to the floor. And if the weight is heavy enough and you don't keep the um, torso perpendicular to the floor, then you're just gonna fall forward, okay? So yeah, um, that's a good way, even in like, if you struggle to feel your quads in a back squat, just try the front squat. Most people find it extremely hard on the quads. Um, and yeah, that's my natural way to bias the quads for clients that don't have access to a leg press or a hack squat. Um, yeah, so for a quad setup, we have all both plate, both feet on that uh, same plate, and then we have the front load. More experienced trainees can do it as well with the dumbbells on the side, but if you're a starter, if you're a uh, beginner, just uh, try it this way, front loaded. Squ Oopsie, squ sorry, I just bumped into the microphone. Squat down. As, as you can imagine, as a good Italian, I'm using my hands a lot. So you can picture me using my hands a lot as I speak to the uh, microphone. But you're just going to squat down, keeping the torso perpendicular to the floor and letting both knees slide forward. Now, the goal is to squat down until both calves touches both hamstring. Okay, now in this way, you would um, ensure that you have full knee flexion, okay, um, which is going to put uh, tremendous tension on the and tremendous stretch on the quads. Now, for this setup, you won't need a big weight to start with. I mean, I know people who've been practicing it for years and still use 20 kilos on each side. Okay, so that's, uh, that's an exercise where you want to take your time, just be patient before you increase the load. All right, so that's it for the Bulgarian split squat setup. So much about it. And uh, moving on, uh, um, another uh, follower, uh, a trusted follower from uh, TikTok, uh, which has actually been uh, a very good success. Uh, I had good engagement, good reach, and good interaction with the users. So um, it's funny because uh, I've been active on Facebook uh, since... Uh, Mm, 2016. I've been active before, but for fitness content in particular, only from uh, since 2016. And um, had uh, I haven't had good results. Um, just keep in mind that my goal is to connect with more people. Uh, and TikTok seems to just like show my content to more people and people seems to interact more, so, which is, I find it interesting because I never put too much uh, focus on becoming good on the platform. My focus is to connect with more people because I know I can help. So that's uh, that's my focus. And uh, which is, you know, it, it's good then to see that actually my stuff is helpful on TikTok. Um, but a guy who is following, following me there asks me this, um, Francesco, how can I maximize my current cut? 
I want to maximize uh, my muscle and I want to get rid uh, and lower the fat uh, to the minimum. So do you have any tips for that? I absolutely do. I love these kind of questions. This is uh, the perfect uh, question for this show because we have many tips but clearly like if you look online and you say how to lose fat how to build muscle you're gonna find like even some extensive guides but you are not here to know all the knowable okay we need to have um, the the approach that uh, the point here is not having the correct knowledge is too much we need to have uh, the right knowledge for our goal and we need to know how to implement it in our life. So that's why uh, when I think about this question, uh, I just have in mind uh, different steps. So there are all different factors that contribute to the same goal that are very important, but some are more important. For example, some people will tell you, oh, make sure that you get creatine. Okay, yes, creatine has been researched broadly and it has a clear Uh, effect on our performance. So it helps you to build muscle and to lose fat uh, because it helps you to uh, push more weights. um, So to have better um, short-term performances. So potentially like you are are able to retain a bit more muscle when you're in a calorie deficit by taking creatine, especially if before you were not taking creatine. Now, let's say that you are in a calorie surplus and you take creatine versus uh, you are actually in a calorie deficit and you don't take creatine. The one who will actually see the results that you're talking about, um, it's the one who doesn't take creatine. Because even with the best creatine uh, supplementation in the world, we cannot overcome the fact that we need to be in a calorie deficit if you want to see the fat loss and the muscle retention that you want. So then step number one, uh, it, it, I'm not going to mention like you need to be in a calorie deficit because if you ask how to maximize the cut, uh, you probably know that you do need to be in a calorie deficit. Uh, and this is a lesson that I had to learn uh, myself on my skin. Like I was like working out hard and dieting hard, but then I would look around and I was like, it's impossible. This guy is shredded and so much muscular that, you know, I must be doing something wrong. Then I first uh, hired my first coach who got me counting calories. Uh, and I was like, all right, I I got my version of what I wanted, right? And, uh, you know, that was as simple as uh, counting calories and making sure that I was in a calorie deficit. So I'm not going to talk too much about it, but you do need to be in a calorie deficit to see that fat loss and to retain your muscle. Now, to maximize the muscle retention, we definitely want to go and uh, lift weights, okay? So we want to lift weights uh, uh, three to four times a week, I mentioned three because most of my clients uh, are super busy and you can definitely get uh, amazing, tremendous results uh, training three times a week, following the right program for you and applying progressive overload. So I'll say that you do enough stimulative work and you can also recover from it with three days a week. It won't be an issue, but you still like need to mm, count in like the rest of your life. So um, even three days a week uh, in a very stressed and busy life uh, can, uh, you know, necessitate a little bit uh, of uh, attention to your recovery, okay? So don't think that just because you train three days a week, your recovery is not an issue for you. Um, so yeah, then step number one, it's train with resistance training, focus on progressive overload, and make sure that you track your performances so that you know that you're actually progressing and you can progress even if you are in a cut. 
okay, before you actually see a stalling performance. I mean, I lost four kilos recently and my performance kept improving. So before you see a reduction in your performance, uh, it's going to be a, a, a while, okay? You will have to shred like the first, uh, um, it's going to be variable and individual, uh, but at some point you will have to lower the weight, just not right away, okay? Don't think that it has to happen. Just keep pushing, keep keep training properly. Um, that's the step number one. Step number two is actually have enough protein. We are talking about 1.6 to 2.4 grams per kilos of body weight. If you don't, you're just going to lose weight, but you're not going to maximize the muscle retention and the fat loss. So yeah, you're going to lose weight, but you risk to just be smaller and not to look better. Okay, so have enough protein. Number two, sleep and chill. Yeah, recovery is key here, guys. Like, I really think having stress, like, stress doesn't just mean working hard. Sometimes work, like when I was a pizza chef, was actually relaxing because it was kind of a meditative task. Uh, It was a repetitive task, and I had to do it every day. I could put the music in the background. It was literally, like, very busy, but not so stressful, okay? On the other side, you might uh, take in consideration, like, some... uh, um, not so known source of stresses, but take, for example, okay, financial stress. Would you say that the financial stress impacted your body composition? I didn't in the past, but it does so much. When you have worries, when you have concern, when you have uh, um, anger, when you have arguments, when you have fights, when you've been fired, when um, you, know, you are in a loud place, in a dirty place, uh, in a crowded place, all these things have a big, or let's say that, I don't know, you just went through a divorce. Like These things do impact your journey. And it has to be clear because your um, stress, it, it's, it has different sources, but um, um, you know, it has just one um, amount. So like your body is... Attentive to monitor the total amount of stress, so your stress load. And uh, if that is too high, then you're just not going to be able to recover as much. Um, You're not going to be able to lose fat effectively. And you're not going to be able to have the same performance as a guy who is like more chilled and taking care of his recovery. Um, We don't want to like just think that most of the sources of stress cannot be controlled too much. What can be controlled most of the time is our reaction to stress. Now, if you look at the best people, the people who have the best body shape, they are actually quite calm. Um, And there is a a very good bodybuilder from the... um, from the golden era. Uh, He's he's known for his quads. His name is, uh, you guessed right, Tom Platz. And I mentioned it already in the past, but um, Tom Platz was uh, actually saying that he went to the gym and he used to go to the gym very quiet. And people were wondering, like, how is it possible that you're so quiet? Well, because if I weren't so quiet, his answer, I wouldn't be able to reach this intensity during the workout. I find it very interesting. That made me think that we don't need too many like super crazy emotions in order to get a hell of a workout. Very interesting. Something to think about. Uh, what if you went through the workout without emotion, like a robot? I just got a client to try that and he had an amazing feedback. Okay, so just give it a try. Um, step number three, uh, sorry, step number four is actually limit your cardio. 
because you don't want to overdo it. You want to make sure that your cardio support the fat loss so that you keep burning calories, keep being in a calorie deficit because you do burn cardio, you do burn calories both with cardio and with steps or even just doing like cleaning the dishes. Like those are all activities that burns calories. So burn calories is, uh, burning calories is not a focus, but we want to keep uh, our level of activity high. And we want to do it in a way that doesn't interfere with our uh, resistance training session. So um, limit your cardio. Just uh, you might uh, be able to reach your body composition goal um, without doing any cardio. I usually have clients increasing their step first and then using cardio just uh, if we notice a stall in the weight loss process for at least two weeks. But in most cases, it, that's that's not even necessary. Some of my clients, they do 18,000 steps a day. I'm, I mean, you don't need cardio when you're so active, okay? Now, you do need cardio even if you're so active, if you're not losing weight and your goal is to lose weight, okay? So uh, step number five, we've got two more. Um, it's uh, lose weight at the right pace. Hey, I know that uh, I talk about fast uh, fat loss and there are some contexts when that is actually a good idea. Um, but if you really want to get lean and toned and defined, let's say that you want to lower your body fat at 10% and you are 18, which is totally fair, totally great goal and totally normal to be at 18% body fat, you want to take time. You want to calculate at least uh, a rhythm of fat loss between 0.5 and 1% of your current body weight lost every week that's going to ensure that you have uh, enough energy to have good workouts so that you can maintain your performance because think about dropping the calories too low then uh, you feel like super weak and you lower all the weight uh, in at the gym and then your body's asking why do i even have to retain more muscle so you're gonna lose muscle when you do that um make sure that you don't do that because building muscle takes time effort uh, uh, energy, like literally it's, uh, it's a slow process and you don't want to see those gains going away as soon as you start a cut. So that's my uh, tip number five. I have another one to follow this line. Let's say that you've been consistently eating the same amount of calories uh, and you eat uh, like over four meals a day or three meals a day. And you want to know like, okay, I have enough protein. I am training hard and enough. I'm sleeping. Um, seven to nine hours a night with good quality. I'm resting. I'm taking. I'm doing meditation and journaling. So I'm, um, you know, take and stretching and uh, ice bath, for example, or a cold shower. Um, you know, you have your little routine for uh, um, recovery. You are not doing too much cardio. You're losing weight at the right pace. What else can you do? Well, one thing that you can do is to make sure that you have. Uh, uh, your proper uh, peri-workout uh, nutrition in place, uh, that can help. So I would just make sure a general rule of thumb, because uh, of course, like the best uh, way would be to have a personalized advice. But we can, we can definitely talk about uh, general advice. Hey, one thing is water. Make sure that you drink uh, half a liter before, during, and after the session. It made a massive impact on my performance personally. So I love this. Uh, so easy, so cheap, um, and uh, so practical. And then uh, the other one would be to actually have 50% of your carbs in the meal before and after the workout. 
Carbs are the fuel of our uh, performance at the gym because they support uh, the anaerobic glycolysis, which is uh, um, it's, it's the process that uh, generate uh, energy, generate ATP, starting from glucose, sugar, or carbohydrates. And um, it's uh, what we need for short, uh, but also medium-term activities. So a sprint, um, or um, which would use more the creatine phosphate. But when we talk about like lifting weights, we talk about a mix of activity, okay? So there are contexts where you do like three repetition and you use more the ATP, creatine phosphate system, which is uh, necessary to produce like very short-term energy, such as a sprint or a 10-second all-out sprint or uh, exactly a one repetition max lift. Um, and also like our, uh, yeah, um, the carbohydrates and the glycolysis, uh, they basically support the production of energy up to a minute and 30 seconds. Then after that, uh, we start to utilize more the fat uh, as a fuel, okay? Not, uh, we're not going to stop burning um, uh, carbohydrates, but it's just going to slow down so much uh, and the fat oxidation instead is going to increase so much. So carbs are really important to maintain these performances, they're also important to maintain uh, appropriate level of glycogen in the muscle and in the liver, um, which are basically like how carbohydrates are stored in the muscle. And they're responsible not only for performance, but also for uh, your appearance. Like usually when you drop carbs, uh, yeah, you lose weight, but you also lose a lot of water. This is because glycogen, when it's stored, um, it's... Uh, um, stored with four grams of water per gram of glycogen. So you remove carbohydrates from your diet, you lose weight quickly, but you lose as well water and you look more flat. So if your appearance is a concern, I definitely recommend getting 50% of your carbohydrates in those meals around the workout. Okay, no particular worry about uh, timing here because on the long term, like the timing is overrated in my opinion. But sure, like if you um, have a workout in the morning and your first meal is at 8 p.m., then okay. Like you want to make sure that you actually have those two meals before and after the workout. Um, but a realistic, just keep in mind that the anab famous anabolic uh, opportunity, anabolic window uh, of opportunity to build muscle is broader than what was thought to be. Uh, so it's about six hours. So you want to make sure that you have a meal, then three hours later, you go for a workout. Workout lasts for an hour. Then you come home. Maybe you have another hour and then you have your second meal so that there is six hours between those two meals. All right, that's about it on how to maximize uh, the cut uh, for uh, muscle retention and fat loss. Um, now, I still have another question to answer, which uh, I'm sure you're gonna love. Uh, so I basically asked uh, in uh, a uh, home gym Facebook group, uh, Facebook, uh, what would be the best $500 investment? Um, yeah, for the first home gym equipment. Now I received hundreds of comments, which was cool. I had like plenty of, of, of opportunity to connect with people. And I was like super interested to see that many people, like depending where they live in the world, they have just different budget and different uh, resources. For example, if you were living in the Fiji island, you would know that with $500, you would be able to buy just a barbell. And that shocked me because like, uh, I think about what uh, a person, and I know what a person can do, the average person with a barbell only, and I know that with the same, um, well, actually with the, um, yeah, one-tenth 
actually it's more is one twentieth of the investment. The same person can have uh, the gymnastic rings and have uh, totally different results. I mean, totally like wouldn't even be comparable. Okay. So in my opinion, like the amount of muscle and the amount of results or the amount of strength and mobility and movement that you can do with gymnastic rings is not comparable to what you can do with a barbell only. Now that, that being said that, that uh, there is a different uh, difference between uh, um, having only a barbell and having like barbell and plates and a squat rack. And that's why many people recommended actually, uh, most people recommended uh, a adjustable dumbbell. Um, People recommend to buy these uh, on a marketplace on Facebook or any other website, just because if you think about it, uh, like if the adjustable dumbbell, um, it can't really be ruined. If it's of good quality um, and the mechanism, uh, it's it's not shitty, but you can definitely see it uh, when you buy it used before uh, acquiring, before purchasing. Um you don't need a lot of maintenance for it. And it's actually a good investment because think about like the average cost uh, of the gym in Europe uh, is about 50 euro a month. Uh, that's 600 euro a year. So when you think about like spending 500 euro for a pair of adjustable new dumbbell, even new, um, say that you get like super heavy adjustable dumbbell used for 500 bucks, uh, then it's a good investment. Like potentially th they can last for 20 years. Okay, so it's it's a very good investment compared to having to go to the gym. Sure, at the gym you have more equipment, uh, but that's why we want to talk about the first purchase. Okay, we don't want to compare like uh, the cost uh, of uh, the whole uh, gym equipment. We want to think about what can we buy to start with uh, um, with five hundred dollars. Um, if you live in Europe, I think we can compare like five hundred euro as an investment. Mm. Now, many people recommended the bow flex. I actually had a client using the bow. The bow is basically literally a bow with an elastic band. Um, and you can use bicep curl, you can use it to do split squat, you can do rows, you can do push, um, like a sort of a press. Um, you can do single arm row, you can do upright rows, and you can do like multiple exercises. But in my opinion, like, you know, that can snap, uh, it can really hurt. Uh, so we think, uh, we talk uh, and we consider all these variables. We think about the practicality of the piece of equipment. Like, um, sure, having two gymnastic rings at home, it's great. Uh, but what if you don't have the carabines? What if you don't have a space to attach them? Now let's get to the point uh, of uh, what would be the best uh, $500 investment uh, to start building your own gym based uh, on those recommendations, uh, based on my experience working with uh, my clients in the last uh, four years, and based on my own training. Now, I would actually recommend uh, the adjustable dumbbells to start with, because the reality is that you can get uh, um, adjustable dumbbells uh, up to 40 kilos new for 800 euro in Europe. Uh, so so we, we can definitely think that we can find those at a cheaper price uh, um, used on the marketplace. Uh, now, if we don't, we can definitely buy the 24 version. Um, now, if you are up for adjusting the dumbbell yourself, you don't need that much, okay? You can definitely go to Decathlon and for $500, 500 euro, you get the, the handles and enough plates to build even heavier dumbbells. And now the plates, you can buy them every month and um, they, won't, they won't be too expensive and uh, you'll be able to adjust uh, the dumbbells uh, to the weight that you need 
um, and in particular to your strength, your current strength. Now that's the thing, like you are gonna get stronger. So if you buy like two dumbbells of 24 kilos, that's suboptimal. The dumbbells need to be adjustable unless you have the budget to buy a whole dumbbell rack, okay? So dumbbells are very good if they're adjustable. They don't take much time. They don't take much time to build. They don't take much space. And you can do basically all the exercises uh, in the world. Now, not all of them, because if you think about vertical, like with the dumbbell, you are limited uh, to have uh, a direction of the force aligned with the gravity. Okay, the, the dumbbell is nothing else than enhanced gravity. Okay, so we can only push it up. If you think about it, sure, we can lift it in front of us, but it's always going to be against the direction of the gravity. Now, when uh, to overcome that, we have elastic bands because elastic bands cannot be attached to the wall and can offer a um, more horizontal vector of force. Now, the other thing that I would consider is uh, the um, um, gymnastic rings. Now, why do I say gymnastic rings when before I said, hey, what if you don't have the carabines to attach them? Well, if you own your house, you can definitely drill it. I recommend it, like we have it at home. It's super easy to do. Um, the carabines and the attachment worked out at 60 euro in total. The rings are 20 euro or 28. I recommend that you buy the big one with the 28 uh, diameter, 28 centimeter of diameter, um, just because the, of uh, wrist, elbow, and shoulder health, they're a bit more safe. Um, and um, they, it's, it, you can drill in the, in the ceiling, you have the rings, and when you have the rings, not only you can use them to train, but you can substitute them for a swing, which kids love and also adults love, because you can just like, uh, um, you know, quickly change them. When you want to train, you remove the swing or the hanging chair and uh, you put up the rings, boom, ready to go. Um, and they definitely, in my experience, have a different impact than dumbbells, because if you do a dumbbell press, for example, you can adjust the weight and take it easy and start slow. Now for the rings, uh, there is no gateway. Like there is no getaway from the ring. You want to do a ring dips, you need to have strength and stability. Uh, there is no adjustment, okay? So th this, this put tremendous force, especially on the upper body. I got great result. Now, of course, when you think about like gymnasts, they are huge. They have huge arms and upper body. This is because they do tons of dips and muscle up and uh, um, cross hold and, uh, you know, chin ups and just simply like push ups on the rings and, you know, all sort of movement, but the ring create an element of instability and um, uh, unilateral challenge, I think is for the cost of the ring, it's dramatically underrated. Uh, when we compare like, uh, hmm, okay, you're a young dude, you don't have $500 to invest and uh, you're not sure because you can't train uh, because you don't have money to buy adjustable dumbbells, get the rings. Go and train at the park. You can do pull-ups on the pull-up bar. You can do ring dips. You can do ring push-ups, ring fly, ring uh, rear delt fly, face pull, bicep curl. Like you have tons. You can play with a skin the cut. You can play with a muscle up. You can do all different sorts of rows. Like it's, it's amazing. So my best combination, actually, I think I can get some good adjustable dumbbells for less than 500 quid, I can use the remaining money to buy the gymnastic rings and a set of elastic band. I, you can find all sorts of elastic band, but just keep in mind this. 
you're gonna change them, okay? Because elastic bands do break. So you're gonna spend 10 to 20 euro for a elastic band or a set of elastic bands. Um, but don't worry, like I just recommend that you are going to check them frequently and change them when, when you see that they are about to break. Don't push it because when they snap, it, they can hurt you. They can go in the eyes. Um, you know, I know this because uh, as a trainer, it never happened to me as a client, but Nick Tuminello, my uh, mentor from overseas, always said, hey guys, check the elastic bands when you work uh, um, and, and yeah, when you train a client, because if it's snapping a client's eye, well, it's it's your career is kind of over if you, especially if you don't have the insurance but also if you have the insurance because sometimes the insurance cover but not as much as the damage uh, so yeah you need to have a good insurance for that so yeah if you work out alone there are all the reasons to check the band frequently and to change them where they're about to break but since they're not too expensive they you know th this is something that can be taken into into the budget in consideration in the budget um now, what would be my next step? What would be my next purchase once I have, um, let's say that I buy this and I work out at home for 12 weeks, I manage to build muscle. Um, you know, the, the fact that uh, um, I have rings and dumbbells allow me to use both kind of resistance. I have the resistance of my own body weight and I have the resistance of the dumbbells, which are slightly different. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's gonna give us enough uh, enough environment enough tools to play with Cert certainly i'm talking about over a year if you're a beginner so think with 500 quid you can get your workout set up at home your gym set up at home workout and maximize it for a year you don't need a gym literally now the next step would be to actually buy a bench and a squat rack the bench would allow you to do more dumbbell, pre dumbbell presses, uh, split squat. So you would start playing as well with more lower body exercises. The squat rack would allow you to attach the rings. So if you don't have the carabines and you always have to use the gyms, uh, the gymnastic rings at the park, you can now use them uh, at home. You can do as well pull-ups on the bar of the, of the squat rack. Uh, and then you can start exploring... Uh, um, barbells and plates but that depends as well by the time and yeah the time that you're going to work out at home for and also your space at home because some people they don't have so much space so if you don't have and that that's why i consider that too uh, if you don't have enough space and you only have two dumbbells you can keep them at the bottom of your table and you can start doing reps and sets between calls they are so easy to start using so that's my recommendation and i hope that you enjoyed it um if you do please leave a quick five-star review from the podcast platform that you're listening from and uh, i really appreciate that i really appreciate your help in uh, uh, growing and uh, uh, reaching to new people because you know when you leave a review and you leave a quick um, um even if it's without uh, the review just like the five star um then you know that helps a lot uh, the searchability and visibility of this show so that we can talk to new people, start new conversation and potentially help uh, them actually build more muscle and lose more fat. Um, all right, that's uh, enough for uh, this week's episode. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to talk again next week from Coach Francesco. That's everything. Ciao, ciao.